Thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host today, Rebecca, and I'm here with Jesse McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist with ANAC, to discuss some of the questions we received regarding the interrupted stay policy. Welcome, Jesse. We're glad to have you. Jesse, on July 31st, you presented an ANAC webinar on the interrupted stay policy called Putting the Interrupted Stay Policy into Play. This was a 90-minute webinar, part of which was an extended Q&A session. And even though you allowed for 20 minutes for Q&A, there were over 100 questions received, and you only had time to answer about 20 questions live. So I'm very pleased that you are joining us today to answer a few more looming questions. But before we get started, can you give our listeners a quick review of the Interrupted Stay Policy? Oh, sure, Rebecca. So the Interrupted Stay Policy essentially combines multiple SNF stays into one Medicare stay if they're separated by less than three days. There's two key criteria that go into effect with PDPM and the interrupted stay policy, and that is first, if the Medicare Part A resident discharges and then returns to the same SNF. So that's the first criteria. They have to come back to the same SNF. The second criteria is that they must return by 11.59 p.m. of the third calendar day. Then, if this policy is met, this will be considered a continuation of that previous stay. Now, I want to just touch really quickly on that interruption stay window, which begins with the day of discharge. That's day one of that three calendar day window. And the two immediately following calendar days would be days two and three. So when we look at that count of returning by the third calendar day, day one is the day of discharge and they must return by 11.59 p.m. of that third day. I also want to mention and really try to reinforce this on the webinar, the interrupted stay policy in no way changes other Medicare policies. This means that the resident still has to meet all technical and skilled level of care requirements to use their Medicare benefits. That's great information, Jesse. Thank you. All right. Are you ready to jump into this pile of questions? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. For the first question, would the interim payment assessment, IPA, be used after an interrupted stay? Oh, well, it certainly could be. Remember that the IPA is optional. So there needs to be some type of ongoing monitoring of the resident's condition so that we can identify when the resident has clinical changes, changes in condition, changes in diagnoses, where we might want to consider the completion of an IPA based on those changes. Now, again, really want to reinforce, and CMS has really enforced that the IPA is optional. So it really is up to the facility to determine when and whether they will complete it. Thanks, Jesse. It's good to remember that the IPA is optional. The next question is, what if the resident goes to a different skilled nursing facility within the three-day interruption window? The interruption window has those two criteria. First is that the resident must return to the same SNF and the second is by 11.59 of that third calendar day. If they don't meet both of those criteria, the interruption state policy will not be applied. So anytime a resident discharges and admits to a different skilled nursing facility, it does not meet the criteria of the interrupted state policy and it cannot be a continuation 
of that previous stay, which means it will be a new Medicare stay. It will require a new five-day assessment and a new physician certification. Thank you, Jesse. It's a lot to keep track of, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, the next question is, is the three-day window 72 hours or is it three midnights? Oh, actually, it's neither. The interrupted stay policy goes by calendar days. This is kind of new for us. But the first day of that three calendar day window, the first day is your day of discharge. And then it's followed by the next two immediately following calendar days, which would be day two and three. And the resident must return by 11.59 p.m. of that third calendar day. Thanks for that clarification, Jesse. The next question is in regard to the discharge location. The attendee asks, is the interrupted stay window the same if they come off skilled and remain in the facility? Oh, no, it's not. So a resident can still meet the criteria of an interrupted stay when they come off a of skilled and remain in the facility, but the interruption window is counted differently because there's not a physical discharge. So when a resident comes off a of Medicare remains in the facility, we first have to identify that last covered day of Medicare Part A. This is the last day we're going to bill to Medicare. The following day is their first non-covered day. This first non-covered day is also day one of the interruption stay window. So essentially day one is that first non-covered day and then the interruption window is the next two calendar days and it ends again at 11.59 of that third day. Thanks, Jesse. That really helps to clarify how the timing would change. Another attendee asked, for the residents who were issued the appropriate beneficiary notices to end skilled care and they are picked back up on Medicare Part A during the three-day interruption window, do we rescind the notices? Excellent question, and the quick answer is no. So these still are valid and appropriate denial notices. We determined that the resident skilled coverage is ending and we issued the notices. Now the resident might now have non-skilled days and those days need to be billed to the appropriate other payer source, not Medicare Part A. And then when the resident comes back on skilled during that three-day interruption window, they would resume their Medicare benefit and use the HIPS code from the five-day. But it's still okay to have those denial letters, and we may have days that are billed to another payer source that were the non-skilled days. Thanks, Jesse. That's good to know. Another attendee asks, should we wait to complete the PPS and or OBRA discharges until after the interruption window has passed? Oh, there's parts of the discharge assessment that cannot wait. So we don't want to wait for completion of the entire assessment, but we will want to hold off on transmission. So just to further explain that, when we look at our planned discharge assessments, whether it's discharge from Medicare Part A or combined with the OBRA discharge, there's items that need to be assessed by the end of the discharge, like Section GG. For Section GG, we're doing the discharge performance, which is the last Medicare day and the two days previous. So we're going to have to start that assessment and already determine usual function for that discharge performance by the end of that Medicare stay. We may also have resident interviews that need to be completed during that assessment window. So there may be items that we have the majority of the information completed, gathered, or maybe even coded on the MDS. 
But what you don't want to do is transmit. You want to hold off on the transmission of that assessment until after the interruption window. If you submit the PPS discharge and the resident ends up returning during that interruption window, then you will either need to inactivate the standalone PPS discharge, or if it was combined with an over discharge, you're going to modify that assessment to remove the PPS name. The reason that's required is if the resident comes back within that interruption window, the Medicare stay did not end. So that event did not occur, that PPS discharge did not occur. So we have to remove that assessment from the database. Now, even though the PPS discharge is not used for payment, it is used for reporting purposes. A lot of SNF QRP data comes from that SNF PPS discharge. So we wanna make sure that number one, you have accurate information on that assessment. And number two, if the event did not occur, you do not want an extra PPS discharge out there contributing to information for your SNF QRP when it was not needed. So just to recap, my best recommendation is to complete what's needed of the assessment for, or I should say code what's needed on the assessment within those timeframes, but do not transmit until after the interruption window so that you ensure you are transmitting an accurately named assessment. That is a great tip, Jesse. The next question is more of a general PDPM question. The attendee asks, will Medicare physician certifications still be required on a mission day 14 and every 30 days, even though we don't do the PPS assessments? Oh, I'm so glad this question was asked. It comes up very frequently during trainings. So physician certifications for Medicare are still required. There is no change. So we're still going to complete the physician certification at the time of admission. We're still going to get the first research by the 14th day of the Medicare stay. And then at least every 30 days thereafter will the resident remain skilled. So the entire process does not change. An important message that CMS keeps reinforcing with I think every PDPM training I've attended is that Medicare coverage policy has not changed. The Medicare physician certification process has not changed. So we still have to make sure that we're collecting these assessments per that same schedule. Now, one question that does come up with those physician certifications is how is an interrupted stay going to affect the certification process? And so essentially what CMS has said, and this is in their frequently asked questions documents on the PDPM homepage, is that if a resident does return within that interruption window to resume that continued stay, so now we have a continuation of that previous stay, you do not need a new physician certification. You're continuing to bill from that previous HIP stay, you're continuing the coverage from that previous certification. So what you will want to make sure is that you don't have a gap in coverage depending on when that interruption occurred. If you do have a gap in your certifications, make sure you get a delayed certification. A really easy rule of thumb is if you are starting over with a new five day for a new Medicare stay, you do need a new physician certification. If you're continuing to build from that previous five day on a continued stay, you're going to continue to use that previous physician certification also. So new stay, new five day, new cert, otherwise you continue what you had before. Thank you, Jesse. That clarification on the physician certifications will be definitely helpful. And it's nice to get some of these questions answered. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. 
Now that PDPM is here, do you have a game plan for ongoing success? ANAC's PDPM game plan includes more than 80 pages of interactive and downloadable tools, as well as checklists and tips, all in one convenient resource. Order yours today at anac.org backslash PDPM game plan. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Jessie McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist with ANAC, about some questions she received during a recent webinar about the interrupted stay policy. Jessie, the next question we received for you is, is there going to be a negative effect on the staffing five-star domain if the discharge MDSs are not completed until four or more days after discharge? I am so glad that the attendees and our listeners are really looking at the different ways that PDPM and the interrupted state policy could really affect other programs. Luckily for this one, the answer is no. Holding your assessments for transmission until after that interruption window will no way affect the staffing domain. And here's the rationale. We are well within our completion timeframes. We're allowed 14 days from the event date to complete the discharge assessments, an additional 14 days following the completion date in order to transmit that assessment. So waiting those three days, the day of discharge and the two following calendar days, no way delays our completion time frame. And the way the staffing domain is set up in order for uh, to calculate the MGS census from our submitted MDSs, there is enough of a delay to allow for timely completion of all those assessments for that reporting period. So we're well within our time frames and that delay will not impact the staffing domain. Thanks for that clarification, Jesse. It's good to know we'll have adequate timing. The next question is a MDS coding question. How would we code A2400B, the start of the Medicare stay, if it is an interrupted stay? Oh, really good technical question. All right, so A2400B is the date of the most recent Medicare stay, the start date. And A2400C is the end date of the most recent Medicare stay. So if a resident returns within the interruption window and we're continuing that previous stay, essentially combining the stays that were separated by less than three days, this is now considered one Medicare stay, which means their Medicare stay never ended. And that start date is still that original A2400B that has not changed. So A2400B will not change when a resident does come back and resume skilled services during that interruption window. A2400C, which is the end date, that's going to still be ongoing because they're resuming their skilled care. Again, the PPS discharge did not occur. The stay did not end. We're continuing that same stay. It's just been interrupted. Thank you, Jesse. That's helpful to know. The next attendee question is, does the 100-day Medicare benefit restart every time the PPS stay restarts outside the interruption window? All right, so this is another tricky one. Okay, so the Medicare coverage policy did not change, which means when we look at the residents' Medicare benefits, they still can start with a new 100-day benefit period as long as they've obtained the 60-day period of wellness. So once a resident has a 60-day wellness period met and they have a new qualifying hospital stay, they will restart their benefit period with a new 100 days. That has not changed. That's Medicare policy as it's been for many years. So when we look at the interrupted state policy, 
and we're looking at gaps of less than three days outside the facility and the resident returns to that window, we're going to continue that Medicare benefit period where it left off. And this really mostly impacts the assessment schedules and the variable per diem assessment because that's why we have the interrupted state policy is to remove the incentive to discharge residents for a very short period of time just to reset that variable per diem adjustment of that high NTA component. So when we have a resident who say used 14 days of their Medicare benefit, and then they discharge out to the hospital, return within that interruption stay window, they return within that window or even outside that window, they've already used those 14 days, which means when they come back, they don't get a new 100, they can resume the 100-day benefit minus the 14 days that they've already used. And that applies the same whether they're returning within the interruption window or outside the interruption window, that the only time the resident will achieve a new 100-day benefit period is if they have the 60-day wellness period followed by a new qualifying hospital stay. Thanks, Jesse. I think we have time for just one more question today, and this is another tricky one. If the resident discharges in the first eight days prior to our five-day ARD, what should we do? That is a great question, and there are so many things to consider with this question because when the resident goes out of the facility, whether it is within those first eight days or any time during the stay, there's not a guarantee that the resident's going to return within that interruption window. So the first thing I would want to prepare for is if, a resident discharges within those first eight days. We have to ensure that we're going to have an assessment that we can bill for if the resident does not return within the interruption window. So for that point, I would move my five day up to the day of discharge and combine it with my OBRA and PPS discharge so that I have an assessment to bill for for all those days that they're in the facility before that discharge. But I would not submit. I would have that scheduled five-day over-discharge, PPS discharge all combined, and then I'd wait. So there might be some stuff I've completed. I might start working on some data collection, but I'm going to wait until that interruption window has passed so I know if the resident will or will not turn within that interruption window. Now, I'm going to talk about the simple scenario first. If the resident does not return within the three-day interruption window, then we have our five-day, our over-discharge, and our PPS discharge that are all needed, all scheduled appropriately because we moved up that five-day to the day of discharge, and we're going to bill that appropriately. The resident returns outside the interruption window, then it's a new Medicare stay. I'm going to start over with a new five-day, new physician certs. It's a brand new process. All right, but what happens if the resident does return to the skilled facility same SNF within that three-day window. So they met the criteria for the interruption state policy. Well, now I have my five-day that's been moved up to the day of discharge. And, and let's talk about a calendar days just for an example's sake. So if I had a resident that discharged out on day four of their Medicare stay and they went out to the hospital and returned within that interruption window, the day they return is my new day four of that Medicare stay. The day of discharge, we do not bill to Medicare, so when they came back, that's my new day four. I already have day one, two, and three 
that will be billed to Medicare. They're going to come back within the interruption window. That's going to be the new day four. Now I have two options. My first option is I could keep my five-day scheduled on that day of discharge combined with my OBRA discharge, which is still required. My PPS discharge name would be removed because I do not need that PPS discharge. My Medicare stay did not end. It's going to be continued. So I have a valid five-day combined with an OBRA discharge on that original day four that could be submitted. And when the resident comes back within that window, I could assess to determine if I want to complete an IPA assessment if there's been some clinical changes. Now my other option is I could move my ARD out to one of the other days. So they came back on a new day four. I have day four, five, six, seven, eight. I still have five days after they returned to set that ARD. Now that also has some risks because in both situations we have a very small look back period. And if we look at the look back periods from when they came back from that hospital stay within the interruption window, there are items on the MDS that are only included up until the most recent entry into the facility. And so there will be some items that occurred in the hospital or prior to that hospital discharge that will not be able to be captured. So we really have to weigh all of our options in this very complex situation of if it's better to keep that five-day schedule before that interruption or to move it out beyond that interruption and capture more documentation information there. And that's going to be a very individualized determination based on what type of documentation you have in place during those first four days of the original stay, what changes the resident had as they went out to the hospital and came back within the interruption window, and how much of the documentation you can capture after that window um, and still have a valid five-day assessment within the first eight Medicare days, which would not include the days that are not billed to Medicare during that interruption. Those days are essentially skipped over. But while they're skipped over for the ARD window count, they are not skipped over for the look back period count, which is another important item we talked about that we have to consider. That really was a tough question and had a lot of options. Thank you, Jesse. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? I do, especially following that last really complicated scenario. And my, my final thought is really we're going to be okay with this new policy. We just have to slow down and double check our work and really track these interrupted stays because any resident who has a Medicare stay that ends, unless it's because they exhausted their benefits or they expired in the facility, there's a chance that they could return within this interruption window. So whether we think it's absolutely planned, discharge the home, there's still a chance that the resident's going to come back within the interruption window. So we can really just slow down, take our time, double check our work. Before you hit the transmission button, double check those assessments to make sure we have the appropriate, if it's OBRA or OBRA combined with the PPS assessment and if those assessments are really needed. And we're going to be very successful with this policy. 
Also, ANAC recently developed and released an interrupted state tracker, and this tracking tool has some automated features that can really help you to identify residents when they come off their Medicare stay. You can look at if they came back within the window, identify if they met the criteria of the interruption stay policy, if they met the criteria of Medicare coverage, and if they're able to resume that skilled stay. So really a great tool that we're introducing for our members. Thank you for answering these questions on the interrupted state policy today, Jesse. You've provided some great clarification for our listeners that should boost their confidence in working with these regulatory requirements. Listeners, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future update. For more resources and tools, visit the ANAC website at www.aanac.org.